What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 26 of The Deep Ball. I'm your host, Anthony Palillo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Corey, how's it going today? It's going, uh, it's going pretty good. How about you? I'm doing very well, Corey. I'm pumped, man. It's draft week. Uh, we kind of teased at this last episode that we're going to have a big mock draft this this episode, and we are. We got a lot of voices on this podcast. They're silent now, but I'm sure when their picks come, uh, they'll be pretty loud. But, Corey, I mean, NFL draft week, one of the best weeks, probably the best week in the NFL offseason, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I always get mad hype for Thursday night, first first round of the draft, nothing nothing better than that. And, yeah, really, really hype for this, for this episode and really hype for the draft on Thursday. Yeah, no doubt about it. And listen, we're not going to keep you waiting. We're going to get right into this. We have 32 picks. We have eight people in total, including myself, Corey, and then six other people. It's almost as if we're alternating picks. They're going to vary a little bit because we wanted people to have the same teams. For example, the same person who has the Jaguars at pick one will have the Jaguars at pick 25. But yeah, easy to follow along and get some insight from a lot of us, a lot of different uh, background knowledge. But yeah, with that, let's get started. The first overall pick, a new voice on the podcast, John Alberti. Birdie. You are on the clock, and uh, yeah, who do you have? I think this is going to really shock every single person in this call. Who do you have at number one with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. Number one overall selection, Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson University. The uh, career, career uh, rating-wise, completion percentage was almost 70% every year, which is ridiculous. So I'm saying that he's the next Peyton Manning of the NFL. Quarterback ratings almost perfect every single year of his career. He threw for almost 10,000 yards combined. Didn't throw many picks. And he, he's looking up to be a stud in the NFL. Yeah, listen, Trevor Lawrence, ever since he stepped onto campus at Clemson, I mean, he was kind of like the presumed number one overall pick. I mean, he just didn't really let anybody down. Unbelievable. I don't think it's really too much of a debate. I mean, obviously, I was joking in the beginning. Everybody, like we said, since the start of the season, we knew that this pick was going to come. But let's move into our second pick. Our second pick, there's been a little bit more questions about it. I think it looks a lot more clearer now over the past couple of weeks. And this is our familiar face. Came on for our episode. With, we talked about the New York Jets offseason team, team preview. So how fitting that Nick Cuccinella has the Jets pick at number two. What's up, guys? Great to be back. So with Trevor Lawrence going number one overall and the Jets moving on from Sam Darnold with the trade to Carolina, I think that the Jets are going to find their new franchise quarterback in BYU, Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson is a tremendous athlete. He knows how to extend plays, has great arm talent. He's an overall a very exciting player. Uh, with this pick, they could have went with a different quarterback option, in Justin Fields, Trey Lance, but I think they find Zach Wilson to be their guy. Yeah, now, Cooch, I mean, I remember how upset you were after they beat the Rams and then they clinched it then by beating the Browns that they wouldn't get the number one overall pick. But I hope like after these, this off season, like kind of watching Zach Wilson, maybe a little more looking at him. Like, are you, um, are you now really okay that the Jets really won't end up with Trevor Lawrence and like they still are making out pretty good. Would you say so? I'd say, I'd say my opinion now on Zach Wilson is a lot different than back during the season. Of course I wanted Trevor Lawrence, but after watching a lot of Zach Wilson and seeing the way he plays, I just think he's a really exciting player. And he's the type of guy like you need in a city like New York. And I think it's going to be a good change of scenery. Having him a quarterback yeah, listen. instead of Sam Darnold. Now he, does, he does have like kind of like that little like swagger to him. I think he's like going to be perfect in New York. And excited to see what he does. Listen, for Jet fans, a little jealous in that, in that retrospect. Because, yeah, I mean, the guy's an absolute playmaker. I've been pretty high on him ever since like 
really watching this past year. I know that game against Boise State, he went crazy in his bowl game against um, UCF. He went insane. So, yeah, Zach Wilson at number two. I think, like we said, really over the past month, month and a half, it's kind of cleared up, and it looks like that is almost as good of a lock. And then I feel like a lot of people would say that the draft really starts at number three with the 49ers just uh, about a month ago, moving up to that three spot from number 12, Miami trades back. And listen, I think everybody knows that they're going to go quarterback here. But with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson off the board, it's really a choice between the other three quarterbacks left. And uh, our number three pick, the 49ers team, belongs to Cedric Nahas. Cedric was on one of our earliest episodes. I believe it was in the second or third episode. So good to have him back. Cedric, take this away. All right. The first unpredictable pick of the draft. I'm going to go I'm going to go with the 49ers take Justin Fields. I think that it's it would be pretty like crazy to think that Justin Fields who the entire year has been like the kind of runner up after Trevor Lawrence like falls past four other quarterbacks or even three. I think he was projected to go two until Zach Wilson took the spotlight obviously, but I think I think Justin Fields is just like the safest pick for the 49ers. I think it's too big of a risk for the 49ers to move up to three and take Mac Jones or Trey Lance. But just I think uh, Justin Fields would be the best fit for them because of his like toughness. You saw him get hurt in the game and still make crazy deep ball throws against Clemson. And just like his overall, mobil- overall mobility, you've seen him like he could just you could get out of the pocket and really make a play when there's nothing there sometimes. Listen, I'm with you. If I'm. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I definitely think Justin Fields is that guy. Part of the reason, too, you said, like, trading up from 12 to 3, you give up two future first. I don't think you give up that draft capital to, A, go get a guy like Mac Jones who maybe has a ceiling on him where, like, his athletic mobility is capped, or, B, go get Trey Lance, a guy who's a relatively unknown, and he's going to need a lot of fine-tuning because he played only in FCS football for 14 games. But, listen, maybe some of the, like, hype on Justin Fields has kind of died around. I know Justin Fields, they kind of, like, said that narrowing – to cut you off, I think that Justin Fields' is like, like bust potential is nowhere near as bad as Mac mm-hmm. Jones or Trey Lance. And you could you already see what how far Jimmy Garoppolo bought a 49ers team. So I think they should just their best their their best off by taking the safest pick and their with with like their third overall pick. And I think that's Justin Fields. Listen, like I said, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think I think there's also a possibility that the 49ers could be throwing out a lot of smoke with Mac Jones to kind of I mean, I even read something about this, like maybe they just wanted to make sure that the Jets didn't take Justin Fields, as crazy as that sounds. I know it's kind of almost been this foregone conclusion that the Jets will take Zach Wilson. guy from the start. So who knows what could happen? Exactly. And then them hearing that the 49ers like Mac Jones over Justin Fields, maybe got the Jets thinking like, oh, well, 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 we used to coach for the 49ers. So now we don't like Justin Fields if they don't like him. You know what I mean? Interesting. I think Justin Fields, I have Justin Fields as the third most as the third quarterback ranked on my board. I think he's right there with Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson's upside's a little higher, but yeah. Uh I think that's definitely the most interesting pick in the first round. I think it's definitely kind of follows up to um see what happens on the next picks because at number four is the Atlanta Falcons. And now Atlanta even two with an older quarterback in Matt Ryan, new coach Arthur Smith. Um we got our Diamond Edition co-host Chris Brox, who's Hasn't been on the football podcast yet, but Brox, you have the number four number four pick. And, I mean, now the field is kind of wide open after three quarterbacks. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to switch it up here. I'm not going to go a quarterback for the Falcons. I'm actually going to um, say the Falcons go with Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. Um, I'm going to say he's probably, like, the most skilled, uh, skilled player in the draft. I think the Falcons go with Pitts just because – 
Um, they just want to take another guy for their offense and maybe ease off uh, like trade rumors for um, Julio Jones. End up trading him, um, save some cap space. That they'll have Pitts come in there and kind of. I'm not saying no one's going to replace Julio Jones, but at least be some sort of offensive catalyst. Um, I know they want to replace Matt Ryan um, in the near future, but I think that they're going to go with the best player available with Pitts. Listen, I, I love the pick. I'm very high on Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is the most talented non-quarterback in this draft. And, I mean, you play him everywhere. I mean, you put Kyle Pitts with Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, too, is another tight end. I mean, obviously, you can play Pitts in the slot. You can move him around. With Matt Ryan, and obviously, you saw what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee with uh, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, can you imagine what he could do now with Matt Ryan, potentially? But uh, we'll move it on to number five. And I think number five, I personally think, like, I think, like, as the – off seasons progress number five has kind of became a spot where there's been more questions which I kind of think number five should be like pretty like I don't I don't know I'm, I'm not a Bengals decision maker but I don't think the choice should be that difficult we'll take it to Hackliff Hackliff was on our uh, Giants offseason team preview so let's see what he wants to do on number five if he was the Cincinnati Bengals GM thanks for having me Peo. happy to be back there's definitely a lot of questions now around the Bengals pick but I'm going to go with Jamar Chase out of LSU. Kind of a shocking decision there. But I think a lot of people think Jamar might go at five. I mean, Balintikoff award winner. Him and Joe Burrow have that connection. Joe Burrow won the Heisman with him on the team. A lot of people think that the Bengals might be going offensive line with a guy like Penny Swill. But I think Jamar Chase is going to go at five. I think it's just too much of a true player almost everybody has him as their number one ranked receiver and Joe Burrow does need some help when it comes to playmakers yeah no doubt I think Joe Burrow's in a very interesting spot here because after you invest obviously that number one pick in him last year I mean he can go get like his college best friend I mean he went for 20 touchdowns in 2019 with that stacked LSU team Jamar Chase so I mean obviously the connection's there I necessarily don't think there's necessarily a need for Cincinnati but I mean you put uh, Jamar Chase with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I mean, those are three real good receivers. Definitely will help Joe Burrow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, he's he's probably the clear-cut best wide receiver in the draft. 1,800 yards, 20 touchdowns in 2019 before opting out. I think just pairing him up with Joe Burrow, you know that they have that connection already. You know there's going to be no problems with that. So I'm excited to see if maybe they link up together again on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you know LSU football, like LSU's Twitter account will go crazy to see that. And obviously all those old LSU fans. I know Cedric, I was a big LSU guy. He'll be pumped to see Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase back in action together. That'd be pretty awesome to see. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll move on to number six. And this is the Miami Dolphins pick. And the Dolphins got this pick, like I said earlier. They moved down from three to 12. And then they moved back up to six by trading with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I own the Dolphins picks. I own both of them. And Hackliff kind of makes the decision a little easier for me because I'll kind of like say, like I, I saw some report too that came out just before here about Jalen Waddle potentially that they like Waddle more than Chase. And I think that like by them trading down too, it kind of also like validated that point that they were okay with taking Waddle over Chase and that maybe they like were okay with the Bengals taking Chase in front of them. But with Penny Sewell on the board, I just can't have the Dolphins passing him. So I'll go with Penny Sewell at pick number six. I mean, they did just invest last year in Austin Jackson, uh, a tackle out of USC in the first round, but Tua Tagovailoa was always under constant pressure last year. Um, they also have uh, their right tackle last year was Robert Hunt, 
uh, second round pick or they can move inside. They just traded Eric Flowers today, kind of to clear up cap space and kind of signal that they will try to add a piece on that offensive line. Sewell was the best offensive lineman in college his second year, uh, 19 years old. I mean, the guy's like 6'6", 330, uh, one of the best offensive line prospects. I mean, I think people would say in the last five years. So I think Sewell is one of the safest picks in the draft. And I think then at pick 18, the Dolphins try to focus on maybe adding a playmaker for Tua. But I think Sewell is the pick at number six. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> when when uh, Jamar Chase gets picked at five, I, I don't think you could really, really pass on Sewell. Definitely take Panay Sewell, one of the best offensive lineman prospects in a long time. Definitely needed to. You got a young quarterback in Tua Tegavailoa. Definitely a... Uh, a need, but did you, if you were the Dolphins GM, who would you rather have, Chase or Sewell, if they were somehow both there? Like, who would who would you pick? If if I was the Dolphins GM, I would lean, I would go Chase over Sewell because I think Chase is just like, I think Chase is the clear cut number one receiver, but like it also makes it seem like like the way the Dolphins are thinking. I feel like the Dolphins now have kind of like Waddle over Chase, so if they're not at high on Chase. You know what I mean? Then it kind of makes Sewell, I think, that much more of the pick, at least for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. But, uh, yeah. Listen, they traded back from three to six. I think when they traded back, I, I was like, oh, so now they can either get either Sewell, Pitts, or Chase, whichever one falls into their lap. So, listen, that's the way it played out. Sewell was the one left at six, and they took Sewell. I think whoever they go with at six, they can't really go wrong if they were to reach on one of those receivers. But uh, let's move it to seven and core. You have pick seven. You got the Detroit Lions uh, team that's going to go under, uh, undergoing a long rebuild. Obviously, they just traded Matt Stafford this past offseason. They have Jared Goff. Core, what direction do you think the Lions go with at number seven? Yeah, I mean, this Lions team, a lot of holes. Can go a lot of different directions. But I'm going to go with the Heisman Award winner, Smitty Devante Smith, wide receiver out of Alabama. He's only six foot, 166 pounds, but the guy still, he's just a baller, had over 1,800 yards this year. You know the ball was going to him in, in the college football playoff, but still, this guy is just wide open, coasting to the end zone for touchdowns. So, yeah, I think Devontae Smith heads to the, heads the Detroit and uh, becomes a new playmaker and gives, give Jared Goff something to work with in, uh, in Detroit. Yeah, listen, they did, they did lose Kenny Galladay in free agency. They did lose Marvin Jones in free agency. So hopefully Smith could take some of that away. I'm interested, Cord. Do you think that this is a spot potentially that a quarterback, uh, quarterback, a team that wants a quarterback should go up and call the Lions? Because, I mean, the Lions look like they're going to be rebuilding. They could use all the draft picks that they, like, they could use. You know what I mean? So do you think that the Lions should take calls for this seventh pick? Yeah, I definitely do think they should. I mean, this is a mock draft, so I was just going – with mm-hmm. the team, like yeah what I was given but yeah I think the uh the Lions at seven and Carolina at eight just training for Sam Donald are two two positions in the top 10 that should be accepting calls for for teams if they want to move up like teams who want a franchise quarterback they'll probably offer uh some some future future picks and I think yeah I think number seven and number eight are two uh potential candidates to accept calls for that yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think those are the two hot spots to watch. I think maybe after Atlanta at four, but I definitely think seven and eight 
because they also have to jump the Broncos, who it kind of seems like are unsure at quarterback might go in that quarterback direction. But yeah, I don't really have the rules for trade. Trades are going to probably not going to happen in this mock draft. They're going to too difficult to what you will call it. A lot of moving parts. But uh, yeah, listen, Devonta Smith can't really go wrong with the Heisman. I mean, I said Chase had a crazy year in 2019, and then Smith goes for like 1,800 yards and 23 touchdowns in 2020. Finished it off with that remarkable first half in that national championship game. But brings it to number eight and brings it to the Carolina Panthers, who they're Intern GM, I guess, for the night would be Anthony Novello, another guy who's been on our podcast for the Giants team previews. And Corey kind of alluded to it. The Panthers, it seemed like all offseason they were looking to get a long-term solution at quarterback. It looks like temporarily, at least, they're going to try to go with Sam Darnold at that position, maybe give him the year. But Novello, I'm curious, where do you think the Panthers go in the draft on Thursday? This is interesting right now, Pale. I'm looking at the Panthers right now. They went 5'11". They're third in the division, 21st-ranked offense, 18th-ranked – I'm sorry, 18th-ranked defense. And you know what? I'm between two guys right now, and I think I'm going to go with Sean Slater. And the reason for that is I think they just got Sam Darnold, and I think that they need to protect him. They need to get this offense going. I think he's going to help out McCaffrey too when he comes back. Uh, I think Sam Darnold's going to be able to spread this ball out. And I'm going to give Sam Darnold a little bit more credit than he's been getting. I think he's going to have a really good season this upcoming season. I think Rashawn Slater is just going to add to it and help him out a little bit. Yeah, listen, Rashawn Slater might have opted out in 2020, but I mean, that guy in 2019 was real good for Northwestern. I know he played Chase Young in 2019 too, and scouts say that played unbelievable in that game. I mean, really contained, I mean, the defensive player of the year. So yeah, I definitely think getting Sam Darnold some help on that offensive line, something that he didn't really have in New York, could definitely help him succeed. But, uh, yeah, listen, I think the Panthers could be a real sneaky team. Obviously, they're getting, like, McCaffrey played three games last year. So getting McCaffrey back and then with um, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, obviously beefing up that line with Slater. They also have Taylor Moten on the other side. I mean, Sam Darnold, I think, for the first time would actually get a true chance to succeed. What do you think? You know what? I think when he was with the Jets, the one thing that he never had at all was an offensive line. He had Robbie Anderson. He had Jameson Crowder, some offensive weapons but he never had the offensive line that he needed and wanted so badly. So I think Rayshon Slater is the perfect pick here for the Panthers. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. I definitely, I think in my mock draft, I had Slater going there and I definitely like that pick, which hey, that concludes our first kind of like everybody got their one pick under their belt. We're kind of moving into the second section with the ninth pick and that's the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, I think this pick is also wide open. So Cooch, you have the ninth pick, take it away. All right, so with the ninth pick, what I think is going to happen with the people that are still available, I think that they will go with Trey Lance, quarterback, because I feel like they're not sold on Drew Locke completely. And with how much talent that Trey Lance brings to the table, even though there are some question marks, because he hasn't played too many games, the type of competition he's been up against, I feel like bringing in another quarterback with that type of talent and it, like maybe creating like a little competition within the locker room where they already have great skilled players and Jerry Judy, Courtland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Melvin Gordon, like they have a lot of great offensive weapons. And I think I think their line could use a little bit of work, their defense, but I think they're gonna take Trey Lance and try and roll with it and try and make him the starting quarterback. Yeah, no doubt. I don't think I even if like maybe a team jumps them, I don't see Trey Lance getting past the Broncos because yeah, I don't think they have they have, like, a couple holes, but I don't think it's anything dramatic enough that, like, they have to address right now in the draft. I know they had a cornerback hole, and they signed 
Ronald Darby in free agency. They signed um, Kyle Fuller in free agency. So kind of filled some of those gaps. Obviously, you also mentioned that they have a great group of skills. So yeah, I think Trey Lance, his upside is immense. I think that Drew Locke hasn't really like solidified himself and kind of opened the door a little bit. So yeah, bring in Trey Lance and get some competition in the building in Denver. And who knows, maybe they could strike lightning in a bottle with Trey Lance. I mean, if they get a competent quarterback, they could really do some damage in that in that AFC West because I know obviously the Chiefs are there, but I mean that is a good roster that the Denver Broncos would have, and obviously they have a great defense coached by Vic Fangio, another defensive-minded head coach. But yeah, I like I, I would like Trey Lance. I would like to see Trey Lance in a Broncos uniform. But yeah, def- definitely a couple question marks about where um like where he is because he really hasn't played too much. But uh, it's gonna bring us to our tenth pick, and our tenth pick uh it's kind of, it's a homer pick for the guy Birdie. You have the Dallas Cowboys pick. I know you're hype about this. Take it away. I am. I am. All right. With the 10th pick, Cowboys struggled in a few different places this year. Offensive line depth wasn't really where they wanted that. A lot of injuries happened. Obviously, Dak Prescott going down with a gruesome injury. And guys coming back. Great recovery. But uh, with the 10th pick, we uh, we need it most. I'm going to go with the cornerback at Alabama, Patrick Sertan II. Was uh, teammates with Trayvon Diggs who he had an okay season for us in the secondary. He had some plays that were off, some plays that were good. Uh, very indecisive when he wants to play. But um, I think the Alabama connection in the secondary could really help him out. Served him. He was, he was top five in the SEC for a pass to flex. And he, people are saying that he might not be the fastest, but they're comparing him to a Byron Jones type, which not uh, athletically is the same because he's a freak of nature. But I really think the Alabama duo, the secondary, could work out for them. Yeah, listen, obviously the Cowboys' plans got derailed last year with Dak Prescott. But even with Dak Prescott, I mean, Dallas Cowboys played absolutely no defense last year. So I think, yeah, bringing in Sertan, uh, playing him opposite of Trayvon Diggs, that would definitely help. And like you kind of said, too, he's kind of like that Byron Jones where Like he's kind of like more of a zone corner, not as much of a man-to-man corner, very instinctive, too. So I think he did well in – um. Who's their new? Oh, Dan Quinn is their new defensive coordinator. Who's Dan coached Quinn, before in well, Seattle? Yeah. You know, like he's coached before in Seattle. He's coached Sherman before, and he loves to run like cover three. That's his main defensive scheme. So I think Sertan, he's battle tested in the SEC. I've always raved about him. I think he's the best corner in the draft, and I think obviously he's got the pedigree. His dad was an NFL player. I think I think it's a good pick for Bert. I think it's a good pick for the Cowboys. Bert definitely makes me a little nervous as a Giants fan. Yeah, gotta love it. But hey, listen. Staying right on that topic, staying in the NFC East, because that was just the first of three straight NFC East picks. We go to pick 11 and the New York Giants. We've kind of talked a little bit. I know me, Novello, and Hackliff, who we kind of wanted in the draft. Obviously, some things have changed since then due to free agency. But, Cedric, you have the Giants pick. You kind of hit the deep ball mock draft lottery in that sense of picking the Giants. Cedric, there's a couple names who I think we'd all love to see in uh, Giant Blue. Who are you going with at number 11? So, I mean, everyone in this chat, this is the pick we're all going to be waiting for besides Cooch and Birdie. But. Hey, buddy. I think, I think you know. Oh, and Corey. All right, my bad. Anyways, <laughs> I think I just all know the two people I'm deciding between right now. And I really was hoping that it wouldn't come down to this. <laughs> but it had came down to this. And I'll just say the two guys I'm looking was looking between. And it was Waddle and Parsons. And I'm just going to. I'm going to take Parsons in this pick with this pick just because. I think that we, as much as I think Waddle would, would make our offense that much better, we did just sign Kenny Galladay. We have a, a, a nice little core of wide receivers with, like, speedy guys, too. We just picked up, like, John Ross. But anyways, Micah Parsons had, is, like, 
He's like um, he's just super quick. Could really do anything on defense. He's like just a, a sick playmaker to add on the team. I feel like he just compl- perfectly completes the defense. Helps us with our blitz. He's one of the probably one of the fastest linebackers in the draft. He's just like all around defensive beast. And I I'm honestly would be surprised if he fell to this pick. So I feel like it's just yeah. Listen, uh, I I would be really happy if the Giants took either of these guys. But I think the better pick would just be to make the defense as as good as possible, to, like to make sure our offense is out there as much as possible. You could you couldn't have said it better, man. I mean I'm in a hundred percent agreement. If these two guys are who the Giants are picking between. Sign me up for Thursday night, man. I'll, I'll have a great Thursday night until they pass up both of them. Listen, I think it's a possibility that the Giants do reach. I think Dave Gettleman kind of has shown a tendency in his draft history to reach for positional need, which makes me a little nervous because I don't think Ed Rush is particularly that strong. But look, I think Michael Parsons at this point would be the best guy left on the board. I think he would go fit next to Blake Martinez so well. And I think Patrick Graham can scheme him enough that they could dial up pressure with him. Because, I mean, look, he's he hasn't really played linebacker a ton uh, obviously at college, he opted out this past year. He wasn't really a linebacker. He was more of a running back coming into Penn state. So even like just let it use his athleticism and like, while he's young, while he's still developing and get him on the field that way through blitzing. So yeah, I definitely think Michael Parsons would compliment the Giants defense very well. I think they can't go wrong with Waddle either, but I think with Waddle, I think then like, I think wide receivers, like I'm not going to say it's a strength now, but I kind of think it's been addressed to the point where like, it doesn't necessarily need to be addressed. I think like, I would love them to take a first round wide receiver, but I think we can get away without. We already made one move at wide receiver. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in agreement with you, and I'll definitely watch them call it. I'll def- I'll definitely hear some of these guys' inputs before they go on the next pick. Like number twelve, the Philadelphia Eagles pick. This is Brock. Brock, before you take the Eagles pick, what do you think about the Giants taking Michael Parsons at eleven? You like that? Yeah, I like that. I mean, obviously, them taking Wada would stack the. Their wide receiving core right now, they would have they would have Shepard, Slayton, Galladay, and then adding Waddle to that would be ridiculous. Great weapons for Jones, but I think getting Parsons could address so many like better needs for the Giants, um, especially having like an outside linebacker on defense. Man, next to Blake Martinez would be a crazy, a crazy one-two punch. So um, I like that pick from Cedric definitely. All right, and you're uh, listen. You're on the clock with the Eagles, the ugh, the hated Philadelphia Eagles. So you you go whenever you're ready with this pick. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to go for a third straight year. The Eagles are gonna take a wide receiver in the first round. I'll, I'll let the Eagles take Jalen Waddle. Um, it's been a tough uh, few years for Howie Roseman drafting. I mean, they've they drafted JJ out there on Whiteside. They drafted Jalen Rieger. Um, instead of drafting guys like DK Metcalf, instead of like Justin Jefferson. So I'm going to have them go Waddle. Um, they were, the Eagles were offensively challenged last year, no doubt about it, with Wentz. I mean, they looked a little better with Hurts, but they need a wide receiver. They need some sort of playmaker that, I mean, they don't have, I mean, besides Miles Sanders, man, I, I don't know. And Hurts looks like he's gone. They do have Goddard. But um, a guy like Waddle could definitely uh, make a make their offense a little better. Um, it's I think it's an easy pick for the Eagles. I, I agree with you. I think I think if the Eagles mess this up, everybody deserves to be fired if the draft plays out like this. It would pay me to see Jalen Waddle on the Eagles because I think I'm a lot hotter on Jalen Waddle than maybe some other people. I am just a, was a pretty big fan of him in college. So, yeah, this would pay me, but I definitely think this is the right move. Get a playmaker with Jalen Hurts. Let him take some shots down the field with Waddle, something that, like, towards the end of Wentz's, like, tenure, really after his MVP year, you just didn't give him any help. So, yeah, I think bringing Jalen Waddle into Philadelphia would be a good move for them. 
uh, would hurt as a Giants fan. But yeah, definitely the right move. And maybe they can finally get that position right at receiver, which I mean, they clearly have it in the past couple of years. But moving on to pick number 13, Hackliff, you're back on the board again. Same thing with you. I'll ask you about the Giants pick, kind of kind of recapping a little bit. What do you think about Parsons at number 11? You know, seeing Jalen Waddle is on the board at 11 and Micah Parsons on the board at 11. It's going to be hard for me to decide who I want there, but I'd be really happy with either of those guys. Parsons is just an athletic freak, and Jalen Waddle, in my opinion, is the second best receiver in the draft behind Jamar Chase. So I'd be very happy with Parsons as a Giants fan. Seems like the feeling's mutual there, but uh, you got the Chargers pick right now. Obviously, they last year they drafted 2020 Rookie of the Year Justin Herbert. So who you grab? Who you, who do you have them grabbing this year to kind of help them out a little bit? Yeah, the Chargers are a pretty interesting team because they have a lot of talent around them. I think they can be a good team with a star like Justin Herbert. I think he's really going to start to perform, but they still have some holes. They have some holes in the offensive line. Their defense hasn't been great, and uh, they could use another playmaker for Herbert. But I'm going to go with Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. I know he has some medical concerns with his back injuries, but I think he's just he's a top 10 talent in the draft. I think he's the best corner out there. He can play in the zone. He's quick. He can play man to man. He's just he's just a great player. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a really good player in this league. I'm with you. I think Caleb Farley, I think you could argue, honestly, he is the top corner in this draft. I know that you did mention he has had multiple back surgeries. There's kind of reports coming out that he is falling a little bit on teams draft boards. But listen, it only takes one team for him to kind of check out and kind of like give the doc, like the doctors give the team, uh, the front office a thumbs up. And listen, you got to pounce on that guy because that guy is a talent. He'd probably be right. I think he is right up there with Sertan. If he didn't have injury concerns, he probably would be the first corner off the board to play him opposite of uh, Casey Hayward, I think is still, yeah, I think Casey Hayward's still in uh, LA. So yeah, I mean, that would help their defense. And obviously, I mean, that's a team that on offense, it looked like they had everything going last year. Their defensive side, the de- defensive side of the ball, excuse me, struggled a little bit. So I think they're bringing Caleb Farley to Los Angeles with the Chargers, with Brandon Staley too, coming over from the Rams. Obviously we saw how important Jalen Ramsey was in his system and how having a lockdown corner was for that defense. So I think kind of fairly try they trying to like kind of mirror it a little bit with like fairly at corner how Ramsey was and maybe like Joey Bosa a little bit kind of playing like the Aaron Donald role obviously I don't think they'll play it to that potential but like they kind of fill those spots in that system but uh moves on to pick 14 and pick 14 is my pick and it is the Minnesota Vikings and the Minnesota Vikings last year their offense was always in catch-up mode because their defense absolutely sucked um in the offseason though they did address it they brought in Pat Pete they brought in Dalvin Tomlinson, they brought in Michael Pierce, too, from Baltimore, who opted out last year, uh, but also didn't help that Daniil Hunter and Anthony Barr played a combined two games last year. So listen, with those two guys coming back, plus the three guys coming in from free agency, I think their defense hopefully can get a lot better. Uh, Last year, they drafted a pro bowler in the first round in Justin Jefferson, their second a first-round pick, like Jeff Glandy, I think is his name, from TCU. He was not great, but uh, they need offensive line help. They just lost Riley Reef from... uh, Offensive tackle for them he used to be on the uh, Lions. Now he went to the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, I'm going to go with the offensive lineman from uh, University of Southern California, Elijah Vera Tucker, a guy who can play either guard or tackle, wherever they see him best fit. I think he's a very versatile lineman. He fits perfect into their zone run system, too, that Kubiak likes to run. And, yeah, I just think he's a picture-perfect fit for them who desperately need offensive line help. Yeah, I mean – 
I'm I'm on the bandwagon for the Vikings to move up and get a quarterback. But this position, I think definitely offensive line, definitely always a need, never never too much offensive line, despite Dalvin Cook rushing like an absolute monster. Yeah, I think Elijah Barrett Tucker, a good pick. What made you was all the all the guys coming back, signing free agents, is that what uh made you not go defense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I felt like they definitely need to bring in defensive backs, and I feel like Pat Pete was, like, maybe enough. I could see them maybe, like, fairly, like, they think he checks out medically. I think they I could definitely see them targeting him. But at the end of the day, I think there was just too many holes on their offensive line that they had to go with uh, Vera Tucker. I think they got to go offensive line. But, uh, listen, that brings it to your pick, Corn. You have the Patriots, and uh, Patriots, I think, one of the most intriguing teams in this draft. I think they're going to look to try to move up for a quarterback. But, listen, in our scenario, I mean – there is still a quarterback on the board. I'm interesting. I'm interested to see where you think the Patriots go right now at 15. Yeah, you know, I took took a guy from Alabama with the, with the first pick for the Detroit Lions. I'm a stick with the roll tide mentality. I'm gonna take Mac Jones, the guy who's throwing Devontae Smith those balls out of Alabama with the 15th pick for the New England Patriots. I think Mac Jones to the Patriots is a great situation because I think Mac Jones, like if you ask him to go out and play for the New York Jets right now, he, he's not going to perform like what he's capable of. But if you tell him, go to go to New England, go with Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, Cam Newton's there right now. I, I think Mac Jones might be a guy. He doesn't have to necessarily start right away, but I think it's a good spot for him to come in. Obviously, he's not a dual threat, but the, I know they had a guy named Tom Brady, probably the best quarterback of all time. Also, a pocket pass, not really a dual threat. So, yeah, I think Mac Jones to the Patriots at 15 is a good situation for him as not too much pressure is going to be on him. Gets to go with Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I agree. I think Mac Jones, I, I honestly think, I truly and like deep down, I honestly think that Mac Jones will end up going to San Francisco at number three. But I think if, if San Francisco does throw smoke screen, which I think is definitely possible, and I personally think they should, I think New England then should try to move up to get Mac Jones and make sure, because I think Mac Jones would be a real good fit in New England. Because like you kind of said, he can kind of play complementary football with their defense, obviously. He doesn't have to be the superstar in New England where like another team that might take him might ask him to do too much, which, listen, that's not his role. So yeah, Mac Jones at 15, I think would be a great pick for the Patriots. And that would really solidify like, one of the best off seasons, I think, in recent memories from a team because the Patriots then would go ahead from at least one side of the ball. I mean, the Patriots on offense then would add Jones, Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. I mean, that is those are some real good playmakers. That, that's a job well done by Bill Belichick and company. Yeah, definitely. And I'm not saying Mac Jones isn't capable because, I mean, the guy threw for 4,500 yards this year and 41 touchdowns. Yeah, I just think he has to go to the right situation where I think he could excel and be a really good quarterback in this league, but I think he needs the, an ideal situation. And, yeah, like I said earlier, I think the Patriots uh, are that team. Yeah, listen, like we said, let's, we're going to have to wait and see. I'd love to see Mac Jones in New England, let Belichick and Josh McDaniels work with him. It's going to bring it to our 16th pick, and the 16th pick is owned by the Arizona Cardinals, and Novello will be making that pick for Novello. I kind of left you out a little bit. How do you feel about Michael Parsons in the Giants uniform first before we get into this Cardinals pick? I absolutely love it. Micah Parsons, when you when you told me, take a look at this guy, Micah Parsons, I looked up some of his highlights. They are unbelievable. I think he plays sideline to sideline. 
He reminds me of Devin White, and I'm hoping that he has that same effect that Devin White had on that Tampa Bay defense, taking them to a Super Bowl. So that's the hope and dream for Micah Parsons. Yeah, listen, let's hope. But listen, you're picking for the Cardinals now. The Cardinals kind of choked a little bit at the end of the season. They had a good run on offense. They really could have put together two wins down the stretch. They had to win one of the last two against, I think, the uh, the 49ers and the Rams, and they lost both of them. So uh, they made a couple moves in the offseason. They brought in J.J. Watt, A.J. Green. Who do you have them taking in the draft to kind of also help out that supporting cast? Yeah, you know what? Looking at the Cardinals' defense, I mean, going 8-8 eight and eight in the regular season is – it looks average. It doesn't look good on paper, but I think that they were in every single one of those eight losses. And I think that they have the sixth ranked offense, 13th ranked defense. I'm going to take a defensive tackle from Alabama, Christian Barmore. I was watching highlights on this guy earlier. I think he's a game wrecker. I think he rushes the passer well, and he's got good hands. I think he plays the run well. And I'm looking at this, this roster for them, and I'm looking at J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, who are two very talented edge rushers. But I'm, I don't know these defensive tackles, and I think that having a dominant defensive defensive line within the NFL, especially going down the stretch into the playoffs, the Super Bowl, that's what's going to win you games. So I think that he's going to make an immediate impact and uh, be a really good starting defensive tackle for them. Dude, Christian Barmore is one of the – like, that guy's just not talked about enough, man. This guy on the defensive line, I remember watching that national championship game, too, against Ohio State. He absolutely wrecked – like, wrecked that game for them uh, in the interior of that line. Like, Wyatt Davis was going to be a second-round pick, probably could not block him. I mean, this guy should – this guy's Alabama produces defensive linemen. He's right up there with some of these guys, like Jonathan Allen in the past, probably better than Dalvin – better prospect than Dalvin Tomlinson. I mean, and this would also cap off at this pick now – We've had six Alabama players go in the top 16 picks. It goes to show you how crazy of a team that they really just had in that past like 2020 season. I mean, unbelievable. But yeah, Barnmore, absolutely phenomenal uh, defensive tackle. And like you said, too, he's going to create one-on-one matchups for guys like Watt and Chandler Jones on the outside. I mean, these guys are going to win. These guys are pro pass rushers who have made tons and tons of money in their career because of how good they are getting to the passer. So listen, Arizona... That's going to be a tough division, but with a guy like Barmore in the middle of their defense on that defensive line, that can make them real scary. Uh, let's move on to another team, another team that just moved to Vegas this past season. Kind of had a disappointing end as well. I know I like it, it, it was like what they have. They had that like week 16 game where Fitzpatrick threw the ball, where his helmet was sideways, and they lost that game. But uh, Birdie, you have the Raiders pick here. Uh, the Raiders' offense, I know last year was pretty good, but their defense wasn't too good. But I'm interested to see where do you have the Raiders going this uh, off in this draft? Because listen, in the off season, they've made a lot of moves. So uh, I feel like it's kind of like I, I'm kind of like shook at like where they where they end up going at this pick. Well, like you said, <clears throat> defense wasn't as good. I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna go with an offensive player. They just traded away or free agency took him, Rodney Hudson. I'm going to go with Landon Dickinson at Alabama Center. He was, down, hands down, the best center in the country for the past few years. Sad to say, he tore his ACL in the SEC title game, wasn't able to play. But this man is a run-blocking, physical mother person. <laughs> I love I it. I love there. it, Birdie. But uh, yeah. what was I going to say? Listen, and this would continue uh, another stretch of an Alabama. That's 7-17. I mean, that would be unbelievable. Listen, Dickerson, too, um, a couple years ago, I think the Raiders shocked a lot of people when they took, like, Cleveland Farrell, and they took so many of those guys from Clemson and, like, 
premier programs. Last year, they took a guy in the first round from Alabama as well, and Henry Ruggs. So it seems that, like, they're very fit on building a culture there and bringing in, like, high-character guys. And I think if you would pull GMs, Landon Dickerson, again, is one of those guys, probably the most, like, likable guy and one of the best leaders in this draft. I mean, he transfers from Florida State to Alabama this past year, instantly becomes a captain of that team. Uh, he's doing cartwheels in the background of Mac Jones's interview three three months off a torn ACL. He's suiting up in, in warm-ups for the national championship game three weeks after tearing his ACL. So, yeah, I actually – I love that pick. I think he's kind of like that physical guy who kind of fits into, like, the Raiders culture. And I think that's a real interesting pick. And, yeah, with Rodney Hudson going to the Cardinals, I think that fits a gaping hole on their team. But Just a guy who on the field in the locker room. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Let, brings it to pick number 18, and this is my pick again. I know now I'm, like, the first person – excuse me, I'm the second person now to have three picks – uh, I have the Miami Dolphins pick. This is their original pick. Dolphins, like I said, they went 10-6 and six last year. Their defense wasn't really too much of a concern last year, like I kind of said earlier. They um they need a weapon on offense. They did add Wolf Fuller. They did add uh, – they get what's called Devontae Parker, who was a little injured last year, wasn't playing in a lot of games. But I did go with Sewell at pick number six which I'm not 100% how they're, how they're going to look at this because at pick number 18, I don't love a receiver here only because I think my next special receiver and like Kadarius Tony, maybe it's a little too high. I also think drafting a running back like Najee Harris this early is like maybe not the best idea for them. So I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball. They did just release Kyle Van Noy. Their other, I can't remember the other weak side linebacker's name. So listen, I mean, it's not, it wasn't significant enough for me to remember him. I'm going to go with a guy who, who just came to Miami, the state of Miami this past year and wrecked havoc for the Miami Hurricanes. I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips, who's an edge rusher. This guy was a former number one recruit out of high school. He just couldn't stay healthy at UCLA. He has a lot of medical concerns with concussions, which I think is a red flag with people. But I think this guy is one of the top defensive talents in this draft. I wouldn't be upset if, like, as a Giants fan if the Giants reached on this guy at 11 because I think the talent is there. I think he – without injury concerns, this guy would be a top 10 pick, but he had eight sacks last year in 10 games. He ran a four, five 40 after that. You can line him up inside on passing downs and he can get to the quarterback. So yeah, with that defense, how good it was last year, I think adding a premier pass rusher like Jalen Phillips and putting him under the wing of a guy like Brian Flores can only make him that much better. Yeah, Peo. I mean, I think Jalen Phillips is a really good talent. I know he had eight sacks this year. For, for Miami Hurricanes had that uh oh no no that's more like the DBs but still like yeah the turnover chain but yeah I mean I I like the pick I just I think I understand where you're going with them reaching like out after the wide receivers pick um Chase Smith Waddle I think I honestly agree I think 18 might be a little too early for um. For, for one of the next wide receivers, but but Najee Harris, I know he's a running back, but uh, what's the deal with that? Why uh, why are we passing on Najee? Yeah, listen, I think that I think Najee's definitely in play here. I just think that edge rusher is too valuable valuable of a position, and I just think Phillips like is that talented. I think if if they take Phillips off their board, I think then the pick would probably be Najee Harris. If if they don't want to take Phillips because of his injury history, then I think the pick is Najee Harris here over Kadarius Toney, who I think is the fourth best receiver in the draft, or potentially maybe even Elijah Moore, which I think it's a little early for him. But listen, I think they also pick at number 36 early in the second round, which 
who knows how running backs go. Maybe Najee Harris. I don't think he falls that deep, but like Javante Williams or Travis Etienne, that second running back could potentially fall to 36. But I think definitely at 36, if they don't go a weapon in the first round, they have to address it. So I think I'm running a little bit of a risk here, not going with an offensive skill player with one of these two Dolphins pick, which is what they need. But listen, I think that Jalen Phillips and Sewell at both of these picks were just too talented at the position. Uh, but that's a trade-off. You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to go for positional needs. Sometimes you go for talent. I'm a big believer in taking that best player on the board and like, don't leave him on the board and just try to reach to fill a gaping hole. But like I said, you got possibly Terrence, Terrence Marshall, Rashad Bateman, uh, Tutu Atwell, Rondell Moore, these guys in the second round who can be playmakers for you. Go find one of those later in the draft and go take the best edge rusher in the draft at number 18. Moving on to pick number 19, the first playoff team now that will be making a draft. Pick. Uh, Cedric has this pick. It's the Washington football team. Washington football team squeaked into the playoffs and uh, listen, they, they gave the Buccaneers a game. They picked up Fitzmagic in the offseason. Cedric, I'm curious to see where do you have Washington, a team that doesn't really have a ton of holes, going with this 19th pick? Okay. Besides, like, getting, like, an elite quarterback, a high quarterback in this draft, the next two, like, quote-unquote holes Washington has is their linebackers and their offensive line. And I think... Right now for Washington, it's more important to go for the offensive line because they have a huge hole at left tackle and they don't have any lo- any long-term deals on the O-line. So I think they'll go for a left tackle here and take Christian Darisaw. And I just think he's just like the perfect fit for the O-line right now with the, with the left tackle spot empty for them. Listen, Darisaw, I think the I think Washington would be very excited to see Darisaw on the board. I know the Colts are picking at 21. They probably also hope he falls to them because he has uh, – I know these scouts, they say, like, the ideal, like, length, arm length for tackles, like 34 inches in the NFL or something. Like, they, they're saying that they're a little worried about Slater because he has shorter arms. But this guy, Darisaw, does fit their, quote-unquote, threshold for arms. He's 6'5", 315 pounds. He's going to project well as a long-term left tackle. And, yeah, I think with Washington and kind of their window kind of looks like they're ready to compete now, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Go get him a good offensive lineman. I think maybe, especially after picking up Curtis Samuel in free agency and even Adam Humphreys, those are two good receivers who can play for Fitzpatrick right now and go get him some help, keep him upright. And that Washington team, like we said, doesn't really have a whole, like a a lot of holes, uh, kind of a pun there, with uh, if they take Darisaw at this pick. But brings it to number 20. At number 20, the Chicago Bears, they're not too happy this offseason. So, Brocks, can you make a pick for them that makes their, their fan base uh, kind of forgive Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy for going with Andy Dalton as the quarterback? See, I don't know if I can because obviously everyone is thinking about who's the next um, Bears quarterback um, of the future. Um, it, it wasn't Mitch Rabinsky. It's not going to be Foles. It probably won't be Dalton for more than this year. But I think a big thing for the – Bears to start off fresh and at least start building up their old line a little more. So I'm going to have the Bears take uh, Tevin Jenkins, an uh, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State. Um, and it's not the most popular pick in the world, but at least it allows them to build an old line. And then maybe if they want to um, draft a QB later in the draft, they can go maybe, I'm not going to say Kellen Mon, but <laughs> um, they can look for a QB late in the draft or maybe in, down the line in a few years. But at least building the old line is a good um good foundation for the bears 
Yeah, I'm in agreement. Tevin Jenkins, good lineman out of Oklahoma State, played a three years, a three-year starter in the Big 12, was all Big 12 this past season. And yet, listen, if, if they're not going to take a quarterback that's going to start, if you ask me, this year with what they have committed financially at the position to Andy Dalton. Now, uh, they did bring in Darnell Mooney this past, like that last year's draft. They have Allen Robinson too, David Montgomery. So you know what? Give them another offensive lineman because their their tackle position is pretty weak like Tevin Jenkins, and you know what? Maybe their defense can carry them, and their offense can hopefully do just enough this year to bring them into the playoffs and win them some games. But moving on to pick number 21, the Indianapolis Colts, one of the more polarizing teams as they made the move to go to Carson Wentz at quarterback this offseason, and a team that I think a lot of, like, they're a sneaky good team, and I think if they get a real good Carson Wentz this off, this coming season, they could really make noise in a stacked AFC. Hackliff, you have this pick, and I'm interested to see where do you have the Colts going to get Carson Wentz that necessary help. The Colts are a really good team, Pedro. I think they're going to have a great 2021 season, and I think they have a really solid defense that they're going to add to with a guy like Quiddy Pay. D lineman from Michigan. He's an edge rusher. He's quick for his size. He's got quick hands, really big guy. He's one of the better pass rushers in this draft. On my board, I have him as the best pass rusher in this draft. Didn't have great pass rushing stats in his last season, but I think he's going to show up and add to that defense that's already pretty solid, that already has a great culture, and I think he can be a good player for their team. Yeah, Quiddy Payne at Michigan, like you said, didn't really like necessarily wow people, but he, listen, he is an athletic freak. And I think, yeah, if you get it, like he's the complimentary piece that could potentially be put next to Darius Leonard in that defense with DeForest Buckner, get one-on-one matchups that, um, you know what I mean? And win, the, and win those one-on-one matchups on the edge, because I mean, the Colts defense doesn't really have like that premier pass rusher on the edge. So Payne, I think would swipe in, pay or Quiddy Pay, excuse me, would swipe in real well. For that defense in Indianapolis moves on to pick number 22, another AFC South foe, a team that did win the AFC South this past year. The Tennessee Titans, this pick will be made by Novello. The Titans kind of had a, a tough offseason. If you ask me, they lost to Dory Jackson. They lost Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator. They lost Johnu Smith. They lost Corey Davis. They lost Adam Humphreys. Novello, who are the Titans bringing in this in this draft? With the Titans going 11 and 5 with the 28th ranked defense. And you know what? I'm going to target that that loss of Adore Jackson. I'm going to go with JC Horn. I was watching this guy earlier. He is an absolute beast. I think he plays a lot bigger than he actually is. He's 6'2. I think he's 6'1, actually, 202. But he plays like a safety. He plays like he can blitz, he could cover, he could do it all. So I think this guy's going to be an absolute stud. Um, you know, they have Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton right now at the cornerback positions for the Titans. So I think J.C. Horn's going to be a perfect guy for that defense and uh, help them out try to win them some more games. Listen, I, th- I think J.C. Horn at 22 is an absolute steal. I know I kind of talk a lot highly of all these prospects, but I've said this on this podcast. J.C. Horn against Auburn was one of the most dominant defensive back performances in college that I've watched. He, Seth Williams couldn't do anything. Bo Nix couldn't do anything throwing his side of the field. I think he literally opted out after that game. Then he runs like a 4-3-9 or something at his pro day, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to run again. Like, I honestly think he has potential to be the best corner in this draft. I think there's an argument to be made that right after Sertan, he could go right there maybe a little earlier. I think with positional need, once you get into like the late, like the 16, 17, 18, the late teens, he will slide a little bit because those teams don't necessarily need corners. 
But yeah, I think the Titans get an absolute start in J.C. Horn and Cooch. You're on the clock at pick 23 with your New York Jets, and I got a feeling that Novello might have just taken your pick. I had a feel. I had a feeling it was going to happen. I'm a big J.C. Horn guy. J.C. Horn would have been a perfect fit for the Jets, but now that J.C. Horn's gone, uh, the two positions I think the Jets were going to target with the 23rd pick is edge rush and cornerback. And since my top three corners are gone, I'm going to go with Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. So I watched a little bit of this guy during the season, and he's a beast. He's 6'3", 240 pounds. I feel like he'd be a great addition. to. They just signed Carl Lawson during the offseason. Robert Sala, the new coach, defensive-minded coach. So Carl Lawson, Quinn Williams, and then Ojolari. I think it'll be a great disruptive defense or start to a disruptive defense. Yeah, listen, I love me some Aziz Ojolari, man. This guy at Georgia, another real good pass rusher, saved his best for last in that Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl against uh, Cincinnati it was. He had Desmond Ritter running for his life. I think he had like three and a half sacks in that game. And yeah, Robert Sala, his defense, you know, his defense, he loves those quick defensive ends, pass rushers, kind of like how D Ford and Nick Bosa used to run it up on the end. And I mean, look at that. They come, he comes from like how he was building his defensive line in San Francisco with Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner in the middle and then D, uh, D Ford on the other side. And now you have kind of Quinn Williams in that middle playing with uh, Shaq Lawson on one or Shaq Lawson, Carl Lawson, excuse me, on one side. And, um, Aziz Ojolari on the other side. I mean, that's got potential to be a real good pass rush. And Cooch, man, after a couple, a tough season, I mean, the Jets Thursday got to seem like one of the best, like one of the real winners of this draft, if you ask me. Oh, Thursday is going to be exciting for the Jets. A lot of changes. I, I don't, I, like I said, I don't really think, I mean, obviously at two, unless they shock the world, obviously you're going to get your franchise quarterback. But then at 23, you got potential to get a real good player on the defensive side of the ball to help this team out. But, Moving to pick number 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers, another team that um, is kind of running it back this year. They're, they're losing a couple a couple starters on that offensive line, I know for sure. But listen, it looks like it's Big Ben's last year. They just lost James Conner at halfback. Juju was only on that one-year deal. They lost Bud Dupree. So a team that like their window looks like it's closing dramatically. What are they going to do in this draft to kind of like try to compete in a division that is only going to get better with the Browns getting better. The Ravens, obviously, our top team in the AFC. Uh, Cedric, you have this pick. Take it away. They're going to draft a running back. And really, there's really two to decide between. And it's Najee and Etienne. Um, I, I think the easy pick for them would be Najee Harris. I just like, for a big guy... Still very good at receiving. I see him made some crazy catches against LSU past two years, but he's just way more physical than Etienne, way more better of like a pure runner. Doesn't fumble the ball, and just he would be great for pass protection too. Yeah, listen, Najee Harris when he he could have probably came out last year and been grouped with those running backs like Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, kind of like the mid to end of the second round. He goes back to Alabama and has an absolute outstanding year, kind of shows his ability as a pass catcher. And yeah, look, with the with their championship window, I think like, I'm not going to say it's like permanently shut, but I'd say it's, it's pretty close to shut. They need a guy who can impact the game now. And I think probably that best guy would be Najee Harris. And I think he's going to step in day one and be a stud at running back for them. And listen, even he'll help that transition because how it's going to be a lot easier for who's ever taking over a quarterback in Pittsburgh 
2022 to play with a guy like Najee Harris in the backfield. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So I, I love that pick for Najee. I love that pick for the Steelers and for Najee Harris. And uh, yeah, I feel like he just fits like the Steelers mode. He's like kind of like, He's not like a crazy like he's like more of a power back, I would say. He's still agile, still very quick, but like he's kinda kinda got like that little like Pittsburgh Steeler blood in him, if you have ask any, me. But any like clear weaknesses. He do, he doesn't. He's he's honest. He's 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 good, man. He, Najee Harris is very good. Like <laughs> I, I know that I mean it just goes like it's crazy too. Like I just think of like Najee Harris, like when I was in like ninth grade watching like his highlight tape uh in high school and it was he just hasn't disappointed, man. That's a guy who had to live up to ton, tons of expectations and just fulfilled everyone. Waited his turn at Alabama behind Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough. But when he got his chance, he he ran with it. But moving on to pick number 25, this will be kind of like everybody's now last pick of the draft. I actually believe that was Cedric's last pick of the draft. So kind of now we're dwindling down. Uh, it goes to number 25 and John Alberti. I don't know why I called you by your first name, Birdie, but – I'm feeling a little confident in your pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who are you going with at number 25? Hey, I was coming into this draft saying I want to shock the world, you know? And I think this pick will do it. This is a guy didn't play Division One or two. Quinn Meaneries, however you say it. Division Minor, three. Minors? Minories, yes. Division three came out Wisconsin Whitewater, six three 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 twenty. Got a pretty big arm, uh, arm length for a guard, uh, thirty three inches. He um, went into the um, Senior Bowl, dominated, went viral, destroying defensive linemen. Alabama, Georgia, all these defensive linemen were getting smoked by this guy. Obviously, there are some weaknesses as he didn't play against the competition as. Division One, SEC, ACC, Big Ten, all that. But this guy watching his film, he he, he pulls, and the guy who he's pulling for disappears. He he's kicking out people, kicking them into the water stance. And as a Division Three lineman myself, I think this kid can be an absolute star. Like Ali Marpet came a whole bunch a few years ago, started for the Bucks. He just won a championship. So I think that he would be a great addition for the Jags after drafting Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, listen, and what I think what helps that pick, too, I think Minard's, his stock has definitely exploded. I'm not 100% sure where her land. I think I think this may be a little bit of a reach. I think the Jaguars have to be a lot higher on them than maybe some other teams are. But look, the Jaguars, too, are like, they brought in Urban Meyer, but with Urban Meyer, too, they're bringing so many former associates, coaches, that assistant coaches that came from the college game, too, that's just going to help the learning curve for a guy who played Division Three football. So I think a guy who's shown immense potential playing against those guys really for like one week at the senior bowl. And like everybody, like I know Jim Nagy, who's the executive of the senior bowl, absolutely rave about this kid. Obviously he was showing that crop top off and that belly of his, but yeah, I'd love to see that feel good story of Quentin Miners. If he's not picked in day one, I'd love to see him picked early in day two, because I think this kid is a real ball player and it goes to show you kind of like the grind is real with that guy. You know what I mean? That guy is one determined offensive lineman and that's somebody you don't want to get in his way. But move on to pick number 26. The Browns is the Browns is the team. Brox, you have this pick. Take it away. So uh, with this pick, I'm going to go a little off the board, I would say, for the Browns. You you would think the Browns would want to maybe get a D-tackle. Maybe they would want, um, what's his name? They would want like Christian Barmore. But I don't think they would. Uh, that would be a prayer for them to get Barmore. So I'm going to have the Browns actually going to go take 
wide receiver Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. And my reasoning for this is that the Browns, you know, they have obviously a great offense and adding more um, weapons for a guy like Baker Mayfield after um, his best, obviously his best year in the NFL um, would be good for him. And obviously they have Jarvis Landry, they have Odell, they even have Donovan, Donovan's Peoples-Jones. Um, it allows them to look to maybe move Odell, um, maybe move Jarvis. Um, but I think getting Bateman can really sure up the offense, the the receiving core. No doubt. I think Bateman uh, is kind of like kind of gets a little overlooked. He didn't have a great 2020 season. I like always forgot that like he I, he opted out at first. And then he kind of opted back in late when the Big Ten decided to play like in no, uh, whenever they started, started like October 24th or whatever. But yeah, didn't have a great 2020 compared to his 2019. But yeah, listen, the Browns kind of a little uncertainty of what's happening with Odell and his future. Obviously, he's just coming off a major injury. So listen, getting another weapon for Baker Mayfield would definitely help out big time. So I, I kind of like the pick. I think maybe they have a couple holes on their defense that they could shore up. But I don't think a bit necessarily a bad idea is getting Baker Mayfield just another playmaker to work with, especially on the outside, and allow another guy like Jarvis Landry or even Odell to work primarily from the slot because Bateman can play on the outside, and it just makes them that much more unguardable on offense. Obviously, they have those two stud tight ends in uh, Cooper. I mean, Nijo- they honestly have three tight ends, Cooper, Najoku, and um, Harrison Bryant, two good running backs. So, yeah, I like that pick from the Browns. Brings it to the Ravens. Corey, you got two picks for the Ravens coming up in the next uh, – like in the, within the next five, Ravens, obviously, they got that second pick from the Chiefs in that Orlando Brown trade that we really didn't even get to talk about. But, uh, yeah, where do you see the Ravens going, at least in this first pick uh, for this um, what you want, for this draft? Yeah, I think, I think the Ravens clearly have a need for wide receiver. But I also think they lost two, two edge rushers in the, uh, in the offseason. They lost Matthew Judon, losing him to the New England Patriots, who— we're just Belichick was just not playing around, just going out and signing everyone. And then they lose Ngakwe to the Raiders. So I'm going to have them go with a D end here with this pick edge rusher. I'm going to go Gregory Rousseau, <laughs> Rousseau out of Miami. This dude in 2019, absolute monster, 15 and a half sacks, opted out this season. But yeah, I think they lost the combined. 14 sacks amongst Judon and Ngakwe. I think with this pick, the Ravens go edge and take uh, Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. <laughs> I know Cedric, Cedric, Cedric's the biggest Gregory Rousseau fan out there. So him going to the Ravens, I love. I love. I think he's probably pretty happy about that. <laughs> but uh, listen, Rousseau, I'm not 100%. Like I don't personally like him that much. He did have 15 and a half sacks. I'm not gonna take it away from him. I think it was more of just like. Him, like, just, like, being quicker than, like, less athletic guards. But, listen, did produce. He's a mammoth of a man, and he's new to the position. He really hasn't played edge rusher, really, for too, too long. I think that at 27, I think it's a lot better of a pick. I don't think he should be off the board if guys like – like, now with Phillips off the board, uh, Pay, sorry, and him, and, like, Russo being the fourth edge off the board, I think is perfect. I don't think you could take him really – I don't think he should go above those other guys. But listen, I think going into the Raven system and going into their stack defense, I mean, he could be like a complimentary piece and get to the pass rusher. So if there's a good chance for him to succeed, it is in Baltimore. But uh, move on to pick number 28, kind of rounding out this draft. And the Saints, no more Drew Brees. Uh, it looks like Jameis might be the long-term answer, or excuse me, the short-term answer, because who knows what, what they're going to do long-term. Hat, you have this pick, your final pick. Where are you going with it? 
Yeah, the Saints are still a good team in this league, even without Drew Brees, I think. And their defense is really the strength of their team, I think, at this point. And I think they're going to add to their defense with a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. I'm a really big fan of this guy. Very physical cornerback, quick hands, works to the ball, works back to the ball really well. And I just think he's going to be a good player in this league, just like his dad. And with the loss of Janoris Jenkins, the Saints just cut him. I think that secondary is already well built. And if they bring in a guy like Asante Samuel Jr., they can coach him up really well with the good guys around him and he can be a playmaker for their team. Yeah, listen, Asante Samuel Jr. kind of alluded to the fact, I mean, he's got that pedigree with his dad. Kind of crazy how many like of these, I mean, Sertan, uh, J.C. Horn, and Asante Samuel Jr. now would be three first-round cornerbacks whose dads have all played in the NFL, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, this guy was a playmaker at Florida State. I know Corey, Corey, talk a little bit about Asante Samuel, because I know you've kind of developed a little, uh, you kind of really like the guy. He's growing on you. I don't know. I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I really did not watch much of this guy during the season, but you know, we're, get, we're prepping prepping for the draft and yeah this guy Asante Samuel the guy I don't know I just like the way he plays the guy really looks like he's about 13 years old but yeah nice strong guy makes plays for that made made a lot of plays for that uh Florida State defense first team all ACC so yeah I like the pick I'm in agreement but I have pick number 29 now uh the Packers pick obviously the Packers just lost this past season in the NFC championship game to the can't even think off the top of my head now. To the uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won the Super Bowl, nice one. But uh, Rodgers, Iron Rodgers wins the MVP. Devontae Adams obviously had a crazy year. I think at this spot they definitely should look for a wide receiver. Obviously in 2020 they did nothing in the draft by picking up Jordan Love in the first round. But there's just one guy on my board who I can't get like can't get past the Packers because listen, as much as the Packers need a receiver, Packers also need inside linebacker help. They have not had. They did not replace Blake Martinez well this past season. I think they also target a guy like Jamin Davis, a linebacker from Kentucky. But with this guy, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, we talked about him last week from Notre Dame. He's more of an undersized linebacker. He's kind of plays that safety hybrid role. He's, again, one of those sideline-to-sideline defenders that in this new NFL, the quicker linebacker can cover more. I think he's a good fit in the middle of Green Bay's defense, and I just think the value here is too good for them. And, I mean, to add a talent like that towards the tail end of the first round, I think would be a real good get for the Packers. Yeah, Wusu, Kora, Koromaru, kind of like a hybrid, like like a obviously only 215 pounds. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a guy who came out last year, Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons. So, yeah, I mean, those guys, sideline to sideline type players, playmakers out there. I think the the Packers definitely need a little bit of help on that defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, like uh, I like the pick out of Notre Dame here. I do think if uh, he's off the board here, if I had to make like a secondary pick, uh, I'd probably go with Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver out of Florida. I think that would be a fit that a pick that fits the Packers need as well. But um, with like I said, I think what'd you say? He'll probably be off the board. Who? Cormoa? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I also agree. I think Cormoa will be off the board, so but listen, I'm gonna take him. I I can't I don't wanna I I don't wanna risk him falling out of the first round. So I'll take Cormoa at pick number twenty nine. Brings us to pick number thirty and the Buffalo Bills. Novello, you have this pick. 
uh, kind of take it away. You could even uh, watch one listen because the Bills came out of nowhere this past season. I wouldn't say out of nowhere, but like Josh Allen taking that big leap with Stephon Diggs really catapulted them now to the top of the AFC. Yeah, you know what? The Bills offense was really clicking this season. They went 13-3. and They had that tough loss in the AFC Championship. It was a tough way to go out. You know what? They have the 14th-ranked defense, second-ranked offense. I was just looking at two corners to look at because I'm looking at their roster here. You got Trey White, and then they got Levi Wallace as the other corner. So I'm going to go with Eric Stokes, the cornerback out of Georgia. He's 6'1", 185. He ran a 4-2-5-40. And for a cornerback, that is unbelievable. Reminds me of Trey Waynes, kind of, with that, like, unbelievable speed. Um, I'm just hoping he'll make an impact for them. I have a lot of friends who are Bills fans, and they would love to shore up that secondary. Yeah, I definitely think that the Bills will look to get maybe a compliment to Jadavious White. And, yeah, Eric Stokes, definitely somebody who's risen in the previous month and a half because of how well he ran at his pro day. Him and um, I think Tyson Campbell is the other cornerback from Georgia as well. They were a real good pair at Georgia. Obviously, Georgia's defense was elite this past year. But, yeah, I like Stokes as a cornerback. I think he's got a chance to sneak into this first round, and I think that's a good pick for Buffalo. And like you said, playing him opposite of Trey White kind of takes a little bit of pressure off him. And, I mean, in the secondary, then also with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer makes them pretty dangerous. But we got two more picks in this first round, so we'll wrap it up real quick. Corey, you have the second Ravens pick. I picked number 31. You went with uh, Gregory Rousseau, the edge rusher, with your first pick. With your second pick in the first round, pick number 31, who do you think the Ravens will take? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this is a tough pick because I think the, the Ravens are, are going wide receiver with one of their first, first round picks. I think the difficulty at this stage is which wide receiver is it going to be? And you know what? I want to take my guy, Elijah Moore, but I don't know. I think <laughs> Paris Marshall Jr. is going to be the pick out of LSU. I think he, he first of all, he's six foot three. And the Ravens could use a big body like him uh, and help help out Lamar Jackson, obviously. But I just think with, I mean, Justin Jefferson, absolute stud. Um, Jamar Chase is going to be a top, top six pick and Marshall was the third wide receiver on that star studded LSU team. So I think that gives the, I think that gives the Ravens a little bit of confidence in that wide receiver trio. So yeah, I think Terrace Marshall is a, is the pick here for, for Baltimore. Listen, this guy is Marshall had 13 touchdowns on that stack team. And then he goes the next year. He plays, I think, seven games. He goes for like 700-something yards, 10 touchdowns. And he went for like 220 yards or something in a game. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I'm just going to opt out. I'm not going to play too much better. We, LSU, we're not the same this year. But, yeah, this guy's another uh, – at the Packers pick that I had, I also think he's really in play. He is – He's a. he proved this past year that by himself he's a capable number one target. And I think the Ravens need a bigger body receiver for what they want to do on offense, especially in the red zone. I think he'll help out a lot in that passing game. And him and Marquise Brown, I feel like pair, like their skill sets complement each other very nicely. So, yeah, I think Terrence Marshall's like, like a perfect fit in Baltimore. And I think that's a home run pick for the Baltimore Ravens. And it wraps it up with our Super Bowl champion, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cooch, you have the pick. Who do you think the Bucs go with? Not a lot of holes in Tampa Bay. Yeah. So looking at the guys on the board, I mean, I, I really don't think 
um, the Buccaneers need to fill too many holes. Like, they had a great balanced defense. They had a million offensive weapons. Um, I was debating between a couple positions. I feel like they could use a little help at cornerback. I know they have a couple guys. But in the end, I'm just going to go with a great a, a playmaker, Travis Etienne. I don't know what they're doing about the running back position. I don't know if Leonard Fournette's going to come back. I don't know if they re-signed him. Uh, Ronald Jones, I feel like – I just feel like having Travis at the end here, they can kind of just add on a great playmaker to an already, like, amazing offense. And that will go a long way to help them again. Listen, I, I love it, man. I think that, like, why not let the rich get richer? They did bring back Fournette, but only for one year. So that position, I believe Ronald Jones, too, is on his – yeah, it should be his fourth year. So Ronald Jones – his contract will also be up after this year. So maybe they're thinking long-term too at that position. I think ETN is kind of like gets like a little slandered because he didn't have a great 2020, but in 2019 and 2018 and 2019, this guy was one of the best running backs in college football. Does have a lot of carries under his belt, but is a pass catching running back that the Tampa Bay really didn't have. I know Fournette kind of took that role late in the year, but I think he could add a different element to that Bucks offense and just take them to that next level. And like we said, I mean, the Buccaneers are literally returning all their starters from last year. This is a pick from surplus. I could definitely see the Buccaneers potentially as in like years past, we see teams trade in to this 32nd pick to take another quarterback to maybe get like that extra option. I don't necessarily know if Kyle Trask or Lund uh, or uh, Davis Mills from Stanford, if any of those quarterbacks are worthy enough of a team doing that. But I think if the Bucs hold on to this pick, I do not hate Travis Etienne. And uh, I think Corey was not talking to you about the other day too, that like if the Buc- like if Najee were to fall to the Buccaneers and they took him, like how crazy that would be. Yeah, you were saying that because while there are guys uh, on one-year deals or one year left, yeah. Hey, listen, listen. So I'm, I'm cooch. I'm glad we're thinking alike in that in that sense with uh, taking a running back, taking a position uh, from surplus. But listen, that's gonna wrap up our first round NFL mock draft. Uh, I hope you guys watch a little entertained, kind of watch them kind of learn something too from a lot of different people's insights. Uh, I thank you guys all for hopping on this podcast. Uh, I was gonna, I'd ask if there's last words, but it's kind of gonna be a free fall, you know what I mean? But we're gonna, what we call? We're gonna enjoy the draft. This will be up on Wednesday, so tomorrow on Thursday, be sure get ready to sit down, get comfortable, and watch the draft because it comes once a year and it's one of the best sporting events of the year. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the underscore. That's gonna do it for today. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>